Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined this week to talk best case, worst case scenario for the Toronto Raptors by none other than the grand poobah of Raptors HQ, Daniel Reynolds. Uh, hey, what's going on, man? How's the cottage? It's pretty, been good. I've been very relaxed and I uh, have not been thinking about uh, what the Raptors can do this season, but I have been remembering that they've won a title. And it feels very nice to remember that. Yeah, I believe uh, you can look down on your current shirt, and uh, that should that should tell you everything. Right, that's right. Yeah. The bounce shot, amazing. Yeah, great shirt, great tee. There's been a lot yeah. of good Raptor gear that came out of the, the NBA Finals, or just the, uh, the final run altogether. There was some. There were some good ones. There was also some really comically bad ones, but uh, but I, whatever. We don't have to get carried away with that. The point is that. Championship Raptors championship merch exists now, and it, and everyone can own it for all time. Yeah, uh, not to expose one of my close friends, but uh, he got very excited after the Raptors went to the NBA Finals and beat the Milwaukee Bucks, swept the Milwaukee Bucks actually, and uh, might have splashed a small to medium sized bag on e- an East Champions uh, jacket, which looks very nice. But oh, oh. Uh, in retrospect, maybe you could have saved that money for the NBA champions you know gear but it is what it is you know you got to collect all of it i mean that's one viewpoint sure yeah um okay let's talk best case worst case scenario um so we're just going to go through all the players on the roster that's everybody signed so we will touch on what's going to happen with devin robinson for example but uh we'll start with the most experienced player on the team and move down to you know guys like the rookies like Dewan Hernandez, but the most experienced guy on the team, 13 years and running, Mr. Kyle Lowry, uh, who's about to turn 
what, 34 years old. What's the best case scenario and what's the worst case scenario for Kyle Lowry? Well, best case scenario, obviously, is he does what he did in those, what was it, 21 or 22 games, 22 games without Kawhi, where the team went 17-5. and And most of that was because of how he dictated what the team was doing with the ball in his hands. Now, obviously, having Pascal Siakam become like a really good player last season helped, but the fact that he could maximize all everyone on the team, even guys with sort of limited skill sets, really sort of set the tone for what Lowry is capable of doing over the over the long haul of a regular season. So that's the best case scenario, is that he does that. The worst case is always the same thing: too much wear and tear, too many minutes. You know, his shooting goes waxes and wanes; it goes all over the place, and age starts to catch up with him. That's basically it. Yeah, I mean, I think you summarized it pretty well. I think, I think we know exactly where we're going to get out of Kyle Lowry, to be honest. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. This idea that he's going to expand his scoring uh, over an extended period of time, I think we can. he can do it, you know, as we saw. I think he averaged like 20 points a game mm-hmm. against Milwaukee. He was close to that against uh, Golden State as well. But, you know, he's just not going to do that over the course of a regular season. And I think Is really he- it's just can he stay healthy, right? If he stays healthy and he gives you what he gave you last year, which was about 14 mm-hmm. points a game, close to nine assists that was very nice i hope the nine assists can still stay where it's at and then give you the other you know intangible things like kyle larry does but while playing instead of 65 games closer to 75 games then that Mm -hmm. would be phenomenal because actually the track record of uh six foot one or shorter point guards at age 34 um even going beyond modest averages of like 10 points i don't know like five assists yeah it's rare it's it's really rare it's a lot of john stockton and that's about it yeah, um, I, I think I think the shooting really dictates it. If he if he if he, when he's shooting well, when he's getting up in that in that in that sort of tidy you know off the dribble three point like you know he's when he's making those kind of shots and making those plays, everything sort of opens up for him. And I think again, I think he, the thing is he's got all these guys who are going to need his help to sort of maximize their their skills because they don't have a ton of obviously one on one creators on the team. So if he can get stuff out of all of all of you know Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson, all these guys, that's going to be the difference maker for his ceiling. Because the better they get, the better he gets. I find. Yeah, this is a weird comparison because they don't actually play that similar. But remember Andre Miller? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Had a very long career. Um, yeah. Was uh, the NBA Iron Man for a very long time. He played yeah. uh, multiple seasons of the full eighty-two. Um, and you know, in a weird way, like he barely he tied his shoes in a weird way. He like yep. wore weird gear. He was a weird, he was a strange dude. Lowry's not like him, but you're right that that's like a that's a great way for a point guard to age. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for with Kyle. And, and the difference with a guy like Andre versus Kyle is like, uh, just I don't I don't think Andre was ever a three point shooter. You know, he could yeah. take a couple of jump shots, but yeah. like really wasn't in his game. He was more of a post up kind of guy, like yeah. pretty much a Mark Jackson type. Um, it was a different time. It was a different time, right? The it was. Not, it wasn't. It wasn't. You didn't. You didn't have to have it in your arsenal to be a solid. If you could, if you were averaging ten assists a game, and he led the league, I think once or twice. Yeah, if with you, Cleveland. If you, yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgot all about that. That he yeah. played with Cleveland. So if you're doing that, then that's that's a good point guard. You don't need to shoot five threes a game. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's the thing. It, now that Kyle. The fact that Kyle has that three-point shooting in his game, I think that mm-hmm. also helps to elongate his career a little bit just so mm-hmm. he doesn't oh, necessarily definitely. have to drive in as much. But really, elongating Kyle Lowry's career is really just on Kyle, right? Because like, in game 42 
of the season when the Raptors play host to like I don't know Orlando or something, and it's yeah. the second quarter, and Michael Carter Williams is driving in hard and he dishes it to Kem Birch. I don't need Kyle Lowry to take that charge right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I could, I could live without that just for his long-term health. But he's got to do it. That's that's Kyle Lowry. You can't. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, right? Like to say, shouldn't take so many charges. Like, but he's there. He knows how to play, right? Yeah, that's true. So um, worst case is he takes too many and he hurts his back. Okay, fair point. I was gonna say, yeah, worst case scenario is kind of like last year, where low key Kyle Lowry went like three three months uh, shooting below thirty percent from three. Ooh, yeah. I remember that. Um, and you know, the back injury obviously cost him a couple, uh, a couple, I guess, weeks, maybe even close mm-hmm. to a month. And then he had the hand injury, and he played through the hand injury. He's a warrior. He's going to play through these games. He's going to make sure he gets the sixty-five games. But um, you know, I, I just need that consistency from him. Not necessarily even from the shooting, but just the playmaking. Like this team is a team that's going to be a little younger. They're going to need someone to just set everybody up. Like exactly, every single yeah. player on this team needs people to set them up, and it's really up yeah. to Kyle and Mark to set them up. So they need to be on the floor. I don't even care if they're scoring like 15, 20 points a game. Just set everybody up. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be. I mean, that's what he's going to excel at. I think that, and I think that's what we've seen over the last few years that he can put them in positions to succeed. They just have to be able to do it. And I think when the team, when the Raptors have been good, obviously they've been able to do it. And when they've been, when they've looked hopeless, they've. They've been playing hot potato, or they've been they've looked overmatched, and that's uh, it. Yeah. Um, now let's say Kyle Lowry does have a season similar to last year. Um, this is off a side tangent, but I think probably best case scenario for Kyle is probably he gets a new contract at the end of the year um, with the Raptors off of it. I, at this point, I could feel I feel like they they have to keep him around. I, I can't see the question is what kind of like what kind of, what kind of uh, terms. Does he get does he get a one year like a huge one year deal or something, and then like ease into his twilight years, or does he insist on another like multi year deal? Because I don't think Masai wants to give him three years or something like that. If the money's a lot, yeah, yeah I'm hoping a two year deal, a two year deal where, you know, maybe you talk him to like two years thirty seven. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not that bad. It's it's respectable money. It's mm-hmm. um, starter caliber money. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know necessarily he'll start over the next two years after this, but mm-hmm. you know it's it's something that I, I think it will work out for him. I don't. I, I think it's just enough money where it's more than what contenders can offer Kyle to bring him on yeah. and complete yeah. the puzzle, and it's uh, competitive enough with like garbage teams that might want to add Kyle for some strange reason. Like if the Phoenix Suns wanted to be like, hey, here's fifty million dollars. Um, Orlando's got to make a know. play for him. That's that's who's got to do it. But they, got yeah. no, they got no money. They got no, no money. Uh, but that I, I think like two hundred centers. You raise a good point. That's I think the the, the the thing that's always sort of kept to a certain extent. That's what kept Lowry in Toronto is that they've been the, in the best position to offer him the most money and the best sort of situation. And no other team has been like, yeah, we'll give you thirty million or twenty five million because it's just the market hasn't quite hasn't quite been there. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's remember twenty seventeen where it was um, yeah. It was a big thing where Kyle Lowry was a free agent. He was probably one of the top free agents on the market at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as it turns out, unfortunately for Kyle, like, hey, man, uh, there weren't that many guys out there willing to pay that much money. And I think the Raptors yeah. almost did him a bit of a favor giving him that contract. Not that he wasn't yeah. worth it, but just yeah. in terms of the market, if the Raptors chose to, they could have screwed him a little bit more. 
and they just didn't. Yeah. So but now that's good karma because I think now that it turns around now maybe they can sort of say, look, we paid you the big money. Yeah. There's no market for you. It, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you this at, on one or two years, and like, you know, what else can you do? There's not, you know, like I said, unless, unless some, unless like, yeah, some the Suns or something. If he wants to send his spend his last few years toiling in obscurity, but I don't know. I mean, he, do, he does love golf. <laughs> does oh, no. freaking love golf. Oh no. All right, let's get to the next one. Yeah, next one. All right. With 11 years of experience and counting, Mark Gasol. Um, best case scenario for Mark Gasol. Best case scenario is he, much like Lowry, he figures out a way to, I mean, you could see a situation where he comes off the bench, and I know we're getting back into the starter versus bench thing, and he and he plays with and he plays with Fred and, and all those, and like, you know, and, and figures out a way to get, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson looks or something or norm powell or whoever and uh and you know hits a few threes is able to play some solid defense we've seen that his post game is basically toast so basically all you're going to get from him is threes and maybe some mid-range floaters and jumpers and then yeah he just he finds a way to sort of be a good uh glue guy i think i think this year because they'll have a full sort of training camp season with him uh They'll be able to use Gasol a little bit more in that high post position where he's able to play with the ball in his hands a little more as opposed to sort of whatever they tried to do last season and, and it was kind of all over the place how they were using him. Worst case is he falls off a cliff, which it, like really could happen because, I mean, his his offense our, – our guy Jacob Mack made this point that like that when he was comparing him to Jonas Valanciunas, it's like on the one hand Gasol makes these passes that, that Valanciunas can never make on the flip side, Valanciunas could just get you a bucket, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Gasol, it's like it became clear that like there was not like there there wasn't a matchup. I mean, even against like Tobias Harris, it wasn't necessarily a done deal that this gigantic man could score over the smaller guy because he just his his post touch is just gone. And so I think that's only going to get worse. So the worst case is he just becomes a shell and is just getting outworked and outjumped and everything else on, uh, inside, which it's not it's not impossible to envision. Yeah. I guess the one I agree, I agree. Like that is a big difference between the two of those players. I think the the one thing with Gasol is that like at least he's diversified his game to the point where if he loses mm-hmm. that portion of you know post play, he can still be affected doing other things. And that's where I think. Mm-hmm. First off, I agree with you. I think the best case scenario for Gasol is distribute for everybody, open the floor. I think it's gonna be very important. I think he's probably gonna start. To be honest, um, he probably will. I think he, he's he straight up better will. than yeah. Serge. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I think, and I think now that Surge is taken to being on the bench, I, I could sort of see that being like, okay, that's your rule now. Period. But right, which yeah. is although that, that's also a little bit tough too, because it's it's one thing to be like, hey, Surge, this is a year where we can win the championship and we will win the championship. Yeah. Um, can you come off the bench? And he's like, all right, well, no as, problem. Right. But he's he talked about how hard it was, and it's it's a pride yeah. thing for him. Um, and you know, I think with contract year with a contract year and everything coming up like you don't want to necessarily be labeled as just a bench guy just yet so we'll see how the starting rotation goes maybe nick nurse offers the same compromise and it says hey you know we'll change the starting lineup depending on the matchup or whatever i i i, I mean if they're cool with it i'm cool with it too i, I don't think there necessarily needs to be a set starting lineup with this team i think um, there's way to, ways to stagger them now too right i think i think yeah. putting putting surge with larry makes sense putting gasol with other guys just might make sense but but anyway your point's taken that gasol can be used as a definitely as a, he's definitely a starter caliber player right right um and then uh, i don't know i don't see the worst case scenario that being that bad for gasol in fact i think the worst case scenario for gasol might be like hey um 
I want to go to a winning situation where I can win the championship because I, I mean, like obviously he just won one here, but I'm not mm-hmm. really sure if. Um, not necessarily that he's not committed. I think he is committed. I think he's a professional. He's going to be committed to the job. Like he didn't even want to be traded from Memphis, and Memphis was garbage last year. Yeah, yeah, right? And yeah. the, the year before that, the Memphis lost a game like last season was by like 50 points to like Charlotte. Yeah. So, and he still <laughs> didn't ask for a trade. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is a guy who is loyal and he's going to be professional on the contract. It's not a Paul George situation. Didn't he get, uh, didn't he get Fisdale fired though? He did get Fisdale fired because Fisdale benched him at the end of a game uh, in in a loss to the Nets, and uh, yeah, that was tough. But I think Mark overcame that, and I think even him and Fisdale have made up ever since. Okay, so then I guess do the Raptors are the Raptors happy to trade Marcus Gasol next season? I mean, it depends on really if you can re-sign him or not, right? Because I think Marcus Gasol is one of those guys that will be when he becomes a free agent he's going to look at it not necessarily as how much more money can i make how much other stuff he's just going to look at it as which situation can i go and win with it's a lot of teams that can use marcus law and if the raptors do want to trade marcus law at the trade deadline i think this would be a pretty good market for him as well just because i mean he's kind of like the dream center of what you want in the modern nba he protects the rim he stretches the floor he passes amazingly is a great yeah. fit in the locker room he, he's willing to come on and off the bench. He gives you like 25 great minutes, but you can extend him if you need to. Yeah. Like it, it's an ideal situation. Like if you look at the Clippers, they could they would kill to have Marc Gasol, yeah. for example, right? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Boston would kill we'll to have Marc Gasol instead of like Enos Cantor or whatever they're trying to cut Yeah, there. yeah. Okay, that's um, a fair point. Yeah. So then then you're talking about what, 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 what you can get in a deal. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. But that, to me, that's not a worst-case scenario if the Raptors traded him because they're, the, they're not going for the title this year. And he's 35 years old. So if, if there's an opportunity to flip him for something younger or something of note or something interesting, mm-hmm. you might as well. Because I, I can't see why they would go out, why the Raptors would, unlike with Lowry, I can't see why they would go out of their way to re-sign him uh, after next season. Yeah. Like, I get I mean, what you're, I get I mean, point to point taken about him being the ideal center, but I think they're already trying to figure out who the next guy is. I think the case might be if you're gonna the case might be if you're gonna resign Marcus Law to a short term contract, maybe you you keep him here because he's good for Pascal. Okay. If you want right. to centralize Pascal to that degree, you want to feature him to that degree. Yes. Then yeah, Mark is an ideal guy to play against. That's Pascal. fair. That's fair. But yeah, yeah. yeah. As, a, as the, the four five combo there is good. That's fair. All right. He could be the Landry Fields to the Steve Nash. The Landry Fields. Oh, good God. Yeah. All remember right. that. <laughs> You know what? It's time to go to the next one because I do not want to remember that. Calangelo, what were you thinking, bro? Just give all that money to, <laughs> to Steve Nash. What are you? What are you trying to poison pill the Knicks for? Anyway, uh, next find option. a new slant. Find a new slant. All right. Oh man, I wonder what Brian Calangelo is <laughs> doing right now. He's just in hiding, basically at this point. Scout his money. <sighs> yeah, um, probably in Italy right now mm-hmm. with a tailor, mm-hmm. being like hire. <laughs> it's not enough, Signore. <laughs> hire. Um, anyway. Uh, Serge Ibaka next. Ten years of experience. Serge, uh, best case scenario. I think, honestly, last year was best case scenario for Serge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, going down, coming out in those finals games, the last couple of finals games, and just going just going wild everywhere mm-hmm. on the court. Uh, that was, you know, that may have been the, the best, like, the best, like, other than, like, obviously maybe in his young career when they, you know, they went to the finals, et cetera, and, he, and or, you know, that year where he got hurt and he was basically the guy that sw- swung that series back in, uh, was it 2014? Yep. 2015, it's the Spurs. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, the best case scenario is what you just got. He comes off the bench and just explodes for blocks and rebounds and putbacks and those little short corner jumpers 
And if 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 you do that next year, that's it. Like you're, there's there is no more there is no more dimension to his game. He's not going to become a better ball handler, better passer. Uh, you know, his three point shooting is not something you're going to rely on anymore at all. Uh, but he still has his pride, and he's still got a few skills. And I still think him and Lowry are a, a, a nice little combination. Um, and you're right. I think a lot of it will come down to uh, how he feels about where he is in the lineup. Worst yeah. case is, much like Gasol, we've seen it. I mean, we've, we've already seen – we already th- we thought we saw Serge's worst case. Like, we, we thought he was toasting – in 2018, yeah, we thought he was—he looked like a statue. The worst so case was seen, when he got picked at half court by Kyle Korver. Remember that? Oh no, I did. I game man, three, that, I think. Yeah, I just remember uh, like the end of that Washington series, and then going to that series where it just felt like he couldn't even catch the ball. Like it just oh, felt like yeah. he couldn't. It just felt like everything that he <sighs> was he had been doing it was just gone. And you're just like, what happened to this guy? Like the first two games in Washington, he was like, hey, good. Playoff surge. And oh, man. Yo, like, game one, Serge Ibaka yeah, against Marching Gordon. Yeah, I think he had like 21 yeah. and 12 or something like that. It yeah, was, it was wild. Great, yeah. He was speaking like three languages at the podium like he was Kobe. Like I was like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So he could actually speak year, three languages? And the year before that when he was with uh, when, when, against the Bucks, so he was a big difference maker in terms of yeah, being yeah. that mobile, mobile center that the team needed. Like, it, so it feels like like that that version is still out there but that that other that other statue version exists as well uh and it's only going to get worse i suppose but contract year maybe that means he uh, plays up because he wants to he wants that one one you know one or one or two more big deals yeah i think surge especially has at least one more big deal in him oh yeah um I, I think yeah, best case scenario is what we got out of Serge last year, man. Uh, mm. I completely agree. I think worst case scenario is he doesn't necessarily um, want to come off the bench anymore, yeah. and he wants to start, and then he starts at power forward, and then it goes back to what it was like in 2018. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that I think that's probably the worst, and it forces Pascal to play a little bit out of position. Now, they, granted, uh-huh. it seems like Nick Nurse actually actively wants to try Pascal at three, which is interesting, but um, still, uh, I think. You know that would be I, a disservice, and no, I think I, more than anyone else, I think I think Serge probably is happy in Toronto. I think he likes it here. I think he clearly mm-hmm. sees the value here. He's, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's spreading his roots, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't see him as unhappy, but I can also see him being moved as well because uh, similar to Mark, this is a very useful veteran guy who yeah. can contribute on a yeah. lot of teams. Right, like he would be great on the Clippers or on the Celtics or on the Lakers, for example, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah, just none, you know. of these, none of these. I mean, what are you even getting from any of these teams? That's like, the I thing. Mean, these teams don't have shit. Like they just gave everything yeah. away. The Clippers did, and yeah. then the Lakers have no trade assets really, unless you yeah. want Kyle Kuzma, which I'm, you know, mm, no. I'm, I'm cool. And even the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics have guys, but they're not trading any of those guys. So yeah, unless you want like you want Gordon Hayward back. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to take that money on, but I mean. We had a call. Daniel Hackett had a call and we're exploring deals for Lowry, Gasol, and Ibaka, just trying to figure out what would make sense. Because basically, the only the only deals that exist for any of those guys are if you take back big money, mm-hmm. like yep. you're taking back Kevin Love money or or uh, or Hayward money, like a lot of years. I mean, you because, could reroute that money to a third party if you needed to. No, no, but you know what I mean. You yeah. know what I mean. Like it's 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 like it's like you're right. If, if you're the Lakers, Ibaka would be a huge deal for you oh, because massive. that's a guy that can actually. A big that could actually he can actually play like with with Davis with LeBron like it would all work, but yeah they're not there's nothing there like there's just no deal mm-hmm. I don't know yeah um, all right so now moving on we are so it, it went from 13 years of experience for Kyle 11 for Mark 10 for Serge to four Nolan Powell 
Wow. Norman Powell is the second the longest. Next. Yeah, I know. He's wow. the next uh, most experienced and also the second longest tenured Raptor. Norman Norman Powell. Best case scenario. Um, he starts, oh maybe? I feel like Norman Powell will get the starting two spot. But I think, and that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is he eventually loses it by the end of the season because, I mean, he's still just an erratic player. Like, I, I've never seen someone that can look so terrifying mm-hmm. and then look so terrible. <laughs> like, it, like I'm just like that no, Bucks series. You, you, that Bucks series, it's like he, it's like he was single-handedly cutting that team. Up. Like Milwaukee was in shock that this guy was just annihilating them again. But the series before that, he was like terrible. And like even against like Orlando, who like you know he should be he should at least show up. He wasn't doing much. I don't know. He's still, like, he's still a guy that if you're playing him 30 minutes, what are you, what are you getting from him? Yeah. 30 minutes a game. Like, I, I he's not Danny Green. He's not going to sort of, he's not going to take seven threes a game and play consistent lockdown defense, transition defense, or anything like that. I, I, I still think he wants the ball in his hands more than he probably should have it. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. In Norm's defense, I feel like he learned to play a little bit better off the ball last year. I think okay. there were things like I saw him cut to the rim a lot more. Now, granted, maybe that was because Marcus Gasol was there. They changed the offense. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your center standing in the three-point line. There's a lot more space to cut. Um, yeah. So maybe it was that. Um, but I saw him cutting to the rim a little bit more. I saw him, you know, the three-point shooting, it was better. Like, he shot 40%. I'm not sure if he'll stay at 40%. It, but it, like, It's still very streaky. It's still very, it still feels like there are games where he just is, like, lights out, and then, the, then he'll go, like, three weeks. Above. I mean, I guess that's kind of every shooter, but I mm-hmm. don't I don't consider him a shooter, let's say. Yeah, let's exactly. just say that. Yeah, it's not going to be like Danny Green during the regular season where it was, like, automatic every game. Yeah. It well, was more had, like playoff to, Danny had, Green. <laughs> well, you had to, oh, boy, you had to cover tough. him, like like, like with Green, you always had to be aware of him. Whereas with Powell, it's like you could kind of roll the dice and go, well, maybe he'll burn us, yeah. but we're betting, we're betting that he won't. And like it feels like more often than not, that's correct. Yeah. Um, since I've been working on a story about the Raptors' options at two guard, which is um, not a very exciting story, but it, it, it maybe <laughs> needs to be written at a time when there's nothing else yeah. going on. Um, so I did some stat, uh, research into this. Uh, with Marcus on the floor, Norman Powell's true shooting percentage last season was 63%. Ooh. That's really good. Yeah. And I looked into it, and most of the assists are Norm cutting to the basket, Norm receiving a dribble handoff to go to the basket with Mark spacing the floor, or yeah. Mark uh, just finding Norm for threes. And that's kind of exactly it. I think if you have Gasol and Kyle Lowry on, in the starting lineup to sort of parent – Norman Powell and just tell him like, mm-hmm. "Hey, mm-hmm. these are the shots you're you're gonna take. These are the moves that you're gonna make. Mm-hmm. That'd be good." Because I don't think the Raptors had that before, right? It's it's not the same thing to play with Demar and play with JV and play with no. like whoever else, no. Louis Scola. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. Demari Carroll, yeah. like that's you're just not getting the same look. So I, I think Norm, the more he's assisted, the the better. Um, yeah, I, of course, goes. that goes for every single player. But if you look at Norm last season, obviously the most uh, efficient season he had. Part of that is because 68% of his baskets were assisted. Before that, 59%. Before that, 43% and oh, 57%. Yeah. So if he can get – basically, if he can have an offense around him for him to function within, I have some mm-hmm. confidence that he can at least be decent. And the Raptors don't need that much out of the shooting guard position, but um, you know they just kind of need consistency, and that, I, I admit, is not Norm's strong point right now. That, 
that's that's fair. I, I feel like he he found it. It felt like for a while there his his ceiling was like that X factor guy that could come in. Yep. You figure it out. If he does it, if he has it, then you keep him in. If he doesn't, you go all right, next guy. You just try something else. If he's going to become a more consistent player, then then I mean this is what we've been saying for all four years essentially. <laughs> is if if it becomes more consistent, he could be a a rotation like Starter. two guard like a, or even a starting yeah. two guard. And you're right that like if you put him with with basically a smarter players, he 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 does sort of find you know he does sort of find the gaps. I mean we're going to say the same thing when we get to OG Ananobi. It's like these guys don't necessarily need the ball in their hands to be good, and oftentimes they play better. And you're right. I I I forgot that we we sort of talked about it off the top with with Lara and Gasol. Those guys do make a difference because mm-hmm. they do know sort of how to organize a team. Which which yeah, you're right. You weren't getting that in previous iterations where everyone not that they were all doing their own thing. They just didn't necessarily see all of the, the permutations and possibilities and reads on every single situation. Yeah, for sure. And then worst case scenario, Norm just I don't know continues to not take the starting spot, and it's very clear that yeah. he's um, just what he is, and it, yeah. the Raptors have to find a way to manage his contract a little bit. But hopefully, it doesn't get to that. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, he'll, he'll it feels like he'll always have some value, but but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's it, last year his value made a ton of sense because because he he was in that he was in that like nice little sweet seven eight sweet spot. Right. Now you're looking at it going well, he might be like the the fifth guy. And you're like, eh, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if he's ready for that. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Stanley Johnson, next one up. Also four years of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, best case <laughs> scenario for Stanley, I feel like, I don't think he's going to challenge for the starting spot. Maybe there's a chance. I think it, it will require some worst case scenarios to happen for the guys yeah. before him. But yeah. Um, I think best case scenario for Stanley is he just comes off the bench as almost like a six man type, which is kind of it requires a little bit of imagination. But you can see the skills; he can he can handle the ball a little bit. He can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But also, I don't know, man. He just hasn't really been a consistent player in his career so far, and that's mm-hmm. why he's you know he went from being a lottery pick with the Pistons to basically being traded for I think Thon Maker in a three-way deal where he's now in like New Orleans and then comes to Toronto yeah. on a basically yeah. a one-year deal. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not expecting too much out of Stanley. I'm just hoping he can defend and, and, and run a couple pick and rolls and be just, you know, basically be what Norm Powell was last year. If he can do that, I, I'm pretty happy actually. Is is he bigger than OG and Obi? He is almost sized the exact same way. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. The best case scenario is he, he comes off the bench and is like, and is like uh, uh, just a real hound, a guy that you could set out there and go, okay, get get on these guys, full court, go nuts, you know, mix it up every which way. Because you're right, you're not going to get any shooting from him. He's not much of a like he's not much of a playmaker or anything. He's not. He's just kind of just a guy. He's a, he's a, like this is the this is this is the biggest knock on the Raptors as a team right now. Is they just they got a bunch of guys that can go, mm-hmm. but they, they don't they can't necessarily do anything when they when they're going. So worst case is he. He does exactly what he's been doing so far. He just, he's just, he's just there. Every so often, he puts in some some points and mm-hmm. he shoots twenty twenty percent from three, and and uh, you know his minutes gradually shrink. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, um, I mean there is some potential with him. I think you can see physically that um, you know he he has a lot of the tools and i think yeah i think one of the frustrations that pistons fans had with him was sort of just like the athleticism that you see doesn't necessarily translate to in the game which yeah. is sort of common with a lot of players but 
Um, I don't know. I, I can see the scenario where Stanley, you know, expands his game a little bit and maybe reaches some of his potential. I think having some clarity in his role would help too. Just because I think the Pistons but, kind of moved him around and made him do a couple different things, and but, I think he wanted to do his own thing. You know, it's a whole thing. But now, but after the, but, you don't get a contract and or you don't get an extension, and you sign with the Raptors on a one-year deal after rookie deal, you might look at it a little differently. Maybe. What is the role he's going? Like when you're saying the Raptors, he'll have a more solid role. Mm-hmm. What is that role? He's going to be the, the off the bench. I think he's going to be like, Norman Powell from last year. Okay. Well, okay. I mean. <laughs> It's not a we big have, role, but I mean, you know. we already have Norman Powell, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's too much variance on what Stanley does. And worst case scenario, you know, he doesn't stick and he has to go somewhere else. You know, it yeah, is yeah. what it is. Um, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, also another four-year uh, player. He had, you know, some decent years on the Nets, but for the most part, a little bit of a fundamentally flawed player in terms of the fact that he really, really just doesn't seem to be able to shoot. Um, yeah. But he does a lot of hustle things. So, what's the best case scenario for Rondé? With him, I'm I'm actually it's weird. I, I'm a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit higher on him just because it feels like his his skills that people sort of know about or the things are like considered like really good, mm. not sort of like you do a little bit of everything. Like with, with Stanley Johnson, I, I feel like what everyone says is, well, he's athletic and he can kind of defend people, but he's kind of he can do a little of this, a little of that, but he's not really this. Whereas Hollis Jefferson, they talk about like, well, he's he can guard bigger players. He's got a bit of a post game, and you're just yeah, like, he, he okay. was playing some center with the Nets, which is just yeah. a little strange to play him at center. Oh. But uh, right, I guess but they it's just like, wanted to go small ball, right? So, and the Raptors, I mean, you could sort of see a scenario where you know he pairs with Gasol or he pairs with Siakam, and like maybe there's something, maybe there's something there that's kind of interesting. But but obviously, yeah, it's always going to be a challenge because the guy shoots like whatever 25 percent or 18 percent or whatever you're just like well 22 percent career 22 percent yeah so obviously there's no amount of there's no amount of improvement he'll have this season that will get people there even if he even if somehow he opened the season for the first two months and shot 45 percent 40 percent no one would respect him as a shooter and it would have no sort of effect really on his like to a certain extent i mean obviously the raptors would benefit from the scoring but it wouldn't really have a, a uh, an effect overall, and I, I'm I just whenever I sort of hear of guys like this who have at least I don't want to say an elite skill, but a skill that maybe it's, it goes above average, I'm like, okay, that could give you something. There's situations where that could work, but it's hard to foresee like how he or Johnson. I mean, they're basically just as you said, one year guys that can do what they can, and they're they're low risk flyers, and that's it. Yeah, um, I, I think. I think just like with Stanley, I think, you know, if Stanley can be the backup small forward and stay there for the whole year, that's like a pretty good outcome. And mm-hmm. Ronda could be the backup power forward for the whole year behind yeah. Siakam and sort of maintain the same, the same style of game. Like, I'm not yeah. saying he is Siakam at all, but like <laughs> he plays in terms of the versatility and the amount of act- activity you get out of that four spot. He obviously yeah. can run the floor, yeah. uh, really hustles really hard, you know, can defend different positions. Um, you know, can do a couple of things off the dribble. Like if he can just sort of maintain that sort of uh, style of play from the power forward spot, but for the bench unit, that'd be nice. And and yeah. that's I don't think that's something that's beyond him. I think he can do it. Just like I think Stanley could be like a backup small forward for a winning team. You know, but um, they would obviously have to you know prove it in this situation. Uh, yeah. Campaign. Wow, uh, another guy with really? four years of experience. Campaign. Yeah. Um, 
I don't even, I don't know what best case scenario for him is. He somehow makes it on the team. Worst case scenario is I like I don't know I don't know who is who is excited for campaign. I, I don't. Nah, I'm not. I that's not that this campaign, you know, but um, campaign shoots with his feet uh, at a ninety degree angle from the basket. I, I just feel like he he's been injured. He's been sort of bounced out of a few cities. Uh, I I was kind of like, let's just say this: when the Raptors signed him, when the Raptors signed him, the reaction was not like, "Oh, cool campaign, maybe we'll find." Like when yeah, they signed yeah. Hollis Jefferson or Stanley Johnson, you're like, "Hey, this is a low risk move," and they're you know they're still young and they you know they're not going to become all stars, but like yeah, who knows? I, I don't. Everyone was just kind of like. Really, campaign? Okay, I guess. Uh, all right, I guess. I mean, yeah. And then Jordan Lloyd, Jordan Lloyd walked out the door, and so then you're like, oh man, like now he's basically the third point guard, so he's on the team, I guess. Yeah, this is a Blake Murphy ass question right here. Um, but is campaign just going straight to the G League? Because he has a one hundred fifty thousand dollar guarantee to come into training camp, but his contract is not really guaranteed. His spot in the team is not guaranteed. And if Jordan Lloyd is yeah. not in the G League, you might as well get another guy who can run point guard in the G League. Is that I mean, campaign? It, the question more, I feel like at, 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 in campaign situation, the question isn't so much uh, is he going to the G League. It's, it's more does he want to go? Because I, f- I feel like I, I'm willing to bet he's probably like, man, I, I want to be on the bench. I want to be, be playing in the NBA. And we all want things. Uh, yeah, right. So it's like I could definitely see a scenario where they – they get campaign. They go. We need. We need a. We need a nine oh five like franchise point guard, essentially, and okay. it's that guy. Well, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Like, no, I, I see. And then, and then and then you and then you just put him there, and then you ha- and then yeah, you bring him up a few games here and there, and you and you you know you put him in a suit when they go to the playoffs, and that's it. Yeah, and he dances. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sure, yeah. fine, but I, again, I, that for for campaign, uh, that's probably the best he could do anywhere. So I mean. And that's it. That's the best case scenario for him. Um, all right, moving on. Pascal Siakam, a little bit more exciting. Three years of experience and counting, obviously. Uh, uh, we've talked about Pascal bit. on this podcast a lot, a lot. So we won't. We, you and I don't necessarily have to go as in depth into Pascal, okay. but best case well, scenario for Pascal. I want to hear best. what your best case scenario for Pascal is next season. Not overall, just next season. Best case is he's an All Star player, and he actually shows that he can shoot from inside the arc mm. like 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 it show, shows that like the we, mid-range you mean every every team saw how they can contain him and now he has to show that they, that they can't do that that's basically what i would you can put bigger guys on him and really flummox his game and i mean obviously the guys the bigger guys they put on him were some of the best players in the league yeah, man listen i mean 29 teams don't don't have a you know a, a, What's the, what was the name? Uh, what are you, where the you guy in the this? Sixers. What am I doing? Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, the guy <laughs> who said. The guy in the Sixers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had to check my uh, No, you're right. You're right. Like, my old hip records. We're, we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Embiid and, and, and Giannis, so it's not like it's not like every every team could do that. But I just yeah. think the, the, the main thing is that uh, the teams have figured out that if you sag off him, just like what, they use, just like what, they, what, what you do against Giannis, mm-hmm. you sag off him enough and you dare him to, to take jumpers. And I think... Siakam knows this. The Raptors know this. So I think I think if he if he I think this year like he could definitely score twenty five plus points a game, put up you know he could put up a double double. 
if he can keep those percentages up and still sort of keep the usage and the, and and show that he can sort of score from a few more places than before, then then that's and I and I feel like it's not impossible for this to happen. Like I'm not just trying to pie in the sky, going like, oh yeah, oh, here's hoping. I think he could do it, and uh, that's the best case scenario. Worst case is he's the same. He's the same player. He comes back and he yeah. puts up another. You know, he, he he his scoring average goes up to twenty, and he but it's still a lot of post ups and and spin moves and janky things that. And players don't expect, teams don't expect, and and his everything else, all of his shooting numbers flatline, and and you know he's a good player, but it's clear that he needs another. He's a number two. Yeah, yeah. Which is not a worst. It's not that bad of a worst case scenario. No. Here's for twenty seventh pick. For twenty seventh. Oh man, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he was already the second option of a of, of a championship team. Um, yeah. I, I think your point about the matchups is is absolutely correct. If you look at how he performed against Milwaukee, who had the ingredients to stop a guy like him, you put a guy a bigger base a bigger Siakam in Giannis against him, and then you put like another Brook Lopez just at the rim. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of traffic. I think Siakam in that series in six games averaged fourteen points on forty percent shooting from the field. So not yeah. great, right? Not great at all. But if you look at what happened in the next series against Golden State, still a really good defensive team, and they got they really have Draymond Green on the other side, who's matched up against Siakam the whole time. Siakam averages twenty points a game and shoots fifty percent uh, from the field. Which, by the way, I mean for a third year guy to do that, yeah, so yeah. impressive, man. I guess, I guess. But again, it was it, it was basically there were times when he made Draymond look. Terrible, old, like basically, or like, like you know, on the game, on like the last basket of the NBA Finals. Yeah, yeah. Like I, again, it's 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 not like Draymond did know. I think in that case, Draymond knew what he was doing. Uh-huh. It just Siakam's physical skills were either like surprising, like too much, mm-hmm. or like surprising, like like again, that yeah, that last basket, that was an amazing like like floater, speed up, slow down, like float, like that was into some amazing footwork and skill. Yeah. That like that like you know he 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 barely had at the start of the year you know what I mean it's pretty remarkable to consider how far he came so uh, yeah that's but that's basically it the matchup thing where you know we this is why we were worried about like Orlando it was like oh boy like all these guys like Jonathan not Jonathan Simmons um, uh, uh, Isaac. Jonathan Isaac yeah, yeah. it's like Jonathan Isaac where it's like yeah like not to say that they're better than Siakam but it's like they're enough that they they could potentially bother him. And it's not a it's not an illegitimate concern, but obviously it's something that he knows too. Yeah, and which is why I think the best case scenario is probably similar to what he did against the Magic in five games: twenty two point six points per game, fifty three percent shooting, thirty six percent from deep, yeah, um, eight point four rebounds, three assists in about thirty seven minutes per game. Yeah, like I think that's probably what Pascal is going to do next season, if not a little bit more, which is yeah. Optimistic, I understand, but I mean, like we've seen it, man. The confidence is there, the yeah. work rate is there. He's gonna only continue to get better from here. I, I, those are high expectations, but I think he's and, great, man. And someone needs to score on this team, like, and that someone is not, Pascal. He is yeah, the go-to not, guy. Nick Nurse has already not, said it. He is the go-to guy. You up and down the roster, it's like like Lowry, Gasol, Serge, Norm, OG. None of these guys are scorers except for Pascal. So you know, have at it, baby. Uh, yeah, like uh, as many shots as you want. To a certain extent, that's going to be the offense because I mean, it, he's basically now the Kawhi. He's in the Kawhi spot. It's like give him the ball and make as much happen as you can. Yep. Uh, next guy, Fred VanVleet, also three years of experience. Fred is also in a contract year. Um, I'm I'm very optimistic about Fred, and maybe it's because I've been watching too much Rico Hines basketball. But I'm, I'm starting to think if Fred hits the next level, this is probably the year for him to do it. Um, 
Here's some. Let me give you some Fred VanVleet stats. All right. Okay. Because I've been looking at the two guard options, so what the Raptors can do there. We all agree that Fred, at this point, is almost better as a two guard, or at least as an off guard, than as a mm-hmm. lead point guard. We saw last yeah. year, not necessarily the best role for him, but last season, Fred VanVleet with Kyle Irie on the floor, sixty point seven true shooting percentage. Very, very efficient. And when Kyle was mm-hmm. off, forty eight percent. Really yeah. bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Really, really bad. Um, also, another stat for you. In um, how many games did uh, did Fred start? Let me just get this absolutely correct because Fred did chime in a lot um, as a two guard when uh, Kawhi was sitting. So Fred started twenty eight games. So this is not an insignificant sample. Twenty eight mm-hmm. games is a third of the season. Fred VanVleet averaged as a starter thirteen point nine points per game, three point three rebounds, five point seven assists. That's really good. Yeah, that's that's solid. That, that, no, that's, that's more than solid. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh I'm not saying right. he's going to start necessarily all the time, and you're going to be completely thrilled with those numbers. But that's you know, that's my, signs that he can extend his game. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I guess I guess my concern. So best case is is that what you just said. I think that I think he puts up solid like uh, you know uh, 13 points and six assists, and mm-hmm. and you can play him in that two guard lineup, or you could you, the, the 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 worst case scenario here is that now he has even fewer options like on offense he has like fewer guys like you can see lineups here like i'm just i'm just seeing these lineups where it's like him with like stanley johnson and hollis jefferson and like norman powell and it's just like who is like and then fred is basically forced to try and do something and it just doesn't well, I mean, work. Like, I, I it just, just doesn't work. I'm hoping in that scenario, that's on Nick Nurse to sort of design a system to sort of yes, make that yes. all work. Now, granted, but it's you, a big but, ask, but you know, <laughs> like he had trouble running pick and rolls. Like it's not like he can't run them, mm-hmm. but he, but like for whatever reason, either because he can't turn the corner fast enough, or because guys can sort of uh, because he's sort of small and like they can get a hand in what he wants to do. And he can't and he, if he can make just if he could just make the pocket pass. Yeah, but it's That'd tough. Right? Like, he can't do it. Whatever, yeah, so it's like I, I just see a scenario where, like, when he was playing really well in the playoffs, it was because he he was the off-ball guard or, like, because he, he was obviously hitting, you know, lots of three-pointers. But he was always staggered into lineups where he didn't have to be the guy with the ball in his hands mm-hmm. doing everything. And, like, obviously I think he has the mental – uh, composure and makeup to do that, like to be the leader on the floor for sure. So he's, he's got a winning sort of leader mentality, but like he's he's not growing any taller you know, or or getting any faster. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hate to doubt him. Mm-hmm. I hate to doubt Fred. I, I can I can hear Fred's voice in my ear right now, going, "What what are you doing, man? Why are you why are you talking like that, Bobby?" But I you know I I'm just I'm with you. It's like I I feel like the thirteen and six is good, but. I feel like the workload might increase, and I'm not necessarily convinced that he can do that with this roster. Okay, here's here's how I think Fred could extend his game. Okay. Why can't he start taking pull-up jumpers? Just off the high screen, start pulling up. You remember when Kyle Lair started doing that, and it was just mm-hmm. like a big, big jump in his game? Like Kyle elbow jumpers? Is, 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 is a good pull-up three-point shooter you know what i mean like just be more aggressive with the three-point i think fred okay. is a really good three-point shooter almost as good as kyle really if he can get a little uh, more elevation because kyle was yeah. really good when he was skinny and stuff he can jump a little bit higher he can get a couple more shots off that way yeah but okay. kyle was really good at the three-point shooting and if, if fred can get to that level 
then I could see him maybe being a starting level point guard. That's 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 all I'm saying. I'm not expecting it to happen to that degree, but you know, it's not impossible, I guess. Okay, point taken. That would be the one skill that if he got like very good at that, like he always already good at it. If he got very good at that, then you could start to see how that could open the floor. I mean, for him. that was the offense in the game, game yeah. six yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Fred had twelve points, well, <laughs> winning Finals right. MVP from Hubie Brown. <laughs> I'm not going to count on that every night, though. But, yes, yeah. point taken, point taken. Yeah. Um, Pat McCaw? Oh, yeah, Pat McCaw. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, Pat McCaw. That is the best way oh, to yeah, describe Pat, Pat McCaw. Uh, He's a guy. I, you know, He's where, there. Where was I reading that? I think it was Blake who was talking about that. They, they like, his, they like his, his, his potential option as, a, as, a, as like a point guard, like almost as a guy who could do more ball handling. Okay, okay. Uh, and, um, like – they, as a, as a, because he can guard point guards, and because he, he's like he's basically not gonna he's never he's not gonna be he's never gonna be much of a scorer. If you can get him to be even a, a reasonable shooter, you can maybe put the ball you can maybe put the ball in his hands. And because he's so tall, he can maybe make those passes a little bit easier. Uh, this kind of just all out of left field. So best best case scenario for him is like at this point is like find a spot in the rotation that doesn't make us all groan. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because basically every time he came into a game, like in the last like three months, it was like, oh, here comes Pat McCall. What are we going to expect from this guy? So that's best case scenario is he, he does not get that uh, reaction. Worst case scenario is basically the same thing, <laughs> except except he he breaks a streak. He will not win the title this season. So yeah. that's it. That is... Three for three. It's over. Um, Pat McCall reminds me of like, uh, you know, Reynolds, you play a lot of pickup basketball. Yes. You know how sometimes you're like short, you're like a, you're, maybe you're playing three on three, and you only got three yeah. guys. You want a fourth guy. And yeah. Just like you know, I know a guy. He's 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 a runner. He's really athletic, but he doesn't yeah. play basketball. Yes. Yes. And you bring him in, and then he comes yeah. in, and he's just doing things like, oh, I I know I can't really shoot, but I'll I'll, I'll defend. I'll make sure yeah. I'll work really hard. Yeah. I'll get yeah. rebounds. You know what I mean? I'll hustle. And yeah. that, that kind of reminds me of Pat McCaw. His usage last year was shockingly low. I, to the point where, it, like, I couldn't believe he's not taking any shots. But that's sort of what he's been his whole career. Now, with the Warriors, it's one thing to not take shots because, like, all right, I'm not – I don't want you to take a shot. I want, you yeah. know, Stephen Clay to shoot or KD. Um, but last season, he, he actually – his usage dropped from what time his time with the Warriors, which peaked at 12.8%, which is super yeah. low already, to 9.3% usage. Yes, that is but- impossibly low. Like well, I think this, Landry Fields, when he like had a elbow issue and he like <laughs> physically couldn't shoot a basketball, still had a higher usage. Yeah, Landry Fields that last season the Raptors ten point eight. First off, how are we how are we mentioning Landry Fields twice in one podcast in twenty nineteen? This is crazy. Uh, second off, point taken about uh, his usage rate, and I, I but again it sort of comes back to then what is he what is he for? If Defense he, if he, hustle. These are, I, these are I, I get it, but the, but the Raptors just signed all these guys who could replicate that. So, like, I, I mean, there, he has a he has a certain versatility in his defensive skills, and he's not. He obviously, I think, their vision of him is that he 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 scales down. He can guard smaller guys, whereas Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson are, are are guarding bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so it's like there's a there's a utility there. But I still I still look at those three guys and basically say these guys are all basically the same ish player and that like you don't really want any of them doing anything with the ball and you're right if if they, to to extend the rec league uh, uh, rec league comparison it's that sort of as long as he's not trying to do too much it's fine 
the question is if you have a, if you're out, if you got a whole lineup of guys who are who, who you don't want to do too much, then you have a problem. So it, it will come back to how they can organize, how Nick Nurse and Lowry and Gasol can sort of maximize or use those guys efficiently. But I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be a bit of a challenge, but I, I think there's some potential there with Pat McCaw. Like, I'm not trying to diss the guy by calling him that guy directly, but like, you know, it, it's he functions <laughs> similarly to that. I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, he does have the point guard skills. If he shoots a three a little bit more often, like, I'm not asking you to like become yeah. Clay Thompson. I'm just asking you know, like, the ball is wide open. It swung to you in the corner. Take that shot confidently. If, rise you're, up. if, you're a, if you miss, if whatever, man. But just just shoot a, that shot. Don't pump fake and then try to drive in and kick it out because yeah. like, you know, so we have enough of that on the team. It's, it's, if you're a backcourt player now, even a pseudo backcourt player like him, you have to be able to confidently shoot mm-hmm. like set three pointers because because that's exactly it. The minute you take that fake and try and drive it, it's not 1996. It's over. Like if you don't take the three, the, the, then you screwed up the play. It's over. Yeah. OG Ananobi. Well, uh, it's funny. We ran through all these other guys, mm-hmm. and basically, it's all on OG. If OG best case scenario, he becomes a starting. Small forward slash power forward, yep. which is what we are hoping he does, where he hits threes, he plays out the ball, he's able to lock up those two positions defensively, and, he, and he's obviously shown the ability to do that to some extent. Then he is your he is your guy. He is clearly the guy that you want, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the best case scenario. I'm not saying he's going to become. He's not going to have a, a, a Pascal like leap. But just to prove that he belongs and, and that last year was just a very weird aberration because of all the stuff that happened to him. And then this year he's ready to go and he plays like a solid season where it's like you look at him and go, this guy is going to be a starting forward in the league. That's the best case. Worst case is it's the same thing as we just saw. Mm-hmm. He, he, he disappears for games. He's all over the place. Uh, like never mind the three-point shooting. He just never even sort of manages to create any sort of flow on offense at all. And uh, and then by the end of the season, we're like, oh, what did OG do? Oh, I don't know. And that's the and that's just, I mean, it, it's not impossible. He is a he is a twenty two, you know, twenty second pick. He's not he's not necessarily supposed to become a superstar or a starting player. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's probably the biggest difference uh, in any of these sort of expectations is OG. He has got like the biggest difference between best and worst case scenario here for him. I mean, you know what it is? Actually, what I'm actually worried about with OG more than anything else, I feel like every single year Raptors fans got to pick on one guy. And, like, you know, having participated in this, I realize I'm not above it at all. (laughs) At all. I have some self-awareness. But, you know, it was like Terrence Ross for a while. It was Mm -hmm. JV for a while. Um, It was like Damari maybe for a little bit as well. Yeah. You know, Serge got it, you know, 2018. Um, I feel like it's almost coming for o- for OG. Like Raptors fans just have like this like inner, um, I don't know, restlessness. I guess you know, f- being just happy all the time is not realistic, especially not in a winter city like Toronto. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's January, and then all of a sudden you just want to like argue with people online and like you know just pass the time. <laughs> and I feel like OG is gonna be that one guy that gets argued on all the time. Obviously, Pascal was already, like, everyone's favorite. You know, everyone loves mm-hmm. Kyle. Fred did a bunch of things in the finals. You know, even Norm did some things. You know, you give all those guys a pass. But when it comes to OG, because of the expectation and because of the difference in which 
the expectation uh, versus what he actually produces. He's just going to be that guy. Yeah. He's going to be that lightning pole guy. And I feel, I feel, I feel bad for him, man, because I, I don't want that to be that for him. I think he has enough on his plate, but like, I think you know, he still there's a lot of problems with OG. Like, he does a lot of things. I don't think he's fluid enough to do everything. He's not mm-hmm. going to be an all around type of player. Um, no, but if you can just be a solid three and D starter, um, you know, I'm I'm thinking like 11 points a game. Gets like yeah. six to seven rebounds. You know, hits about thirty-seven percent from deep. Defends most big wings, which I, I think the Raptors actually do need to start OG just for his defense because yes, there is no there is no designated starter. There's there's no designated uh, stopper in the starting lineup right now. It's yeah. you need OG to be that. Um, and if you can do that, that's amazing. And if you continue to do that for the rest of his career, that's amazing because you're always going to get yeah. paid as a six eight guy who can shoot threes and defend people. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think pairing him with Pascal is like kind of an exciting because they basically can switch across yeah. like a bunch of different positions. Like that that was like the dream, and I think I think I, I, I think I agree with you that like he will probably get because I, I don't think he's necessarily going to take off next season. I think he'll be solid. I hope he's solid, but but you're right that like any bad game, any you know two for twelve game he has, everyone's going to be like, what is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. And and you know it, it's. It's unfortunate because we do get we do it is partly because we gas them up yeah. and they picked them. Sorry, it was twenty third, right? The twenty third overall. Did I say twenty second? Anyway, yeah, something like that. we get we gas them up. We, we we get them. We convince ourselves it's a steal that we we we've scooped the whole league. I mean, we didn't just convince Trump. ourselves. He had some pretty pretty good no, performances. No, no, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, then we're talking about like, well, when he when he does this, when he becomes this, when he becomes that, it's like, well, let's see, mm. like, let's see what you get, you know, like. Like, like it's it's very fortunate for Toronto that that Pascal has become what he's become so far, uh, but obviously that is the exception, and so expectations are you know important. But it's it's like we were waiting for Norman Powell to become Demar Derozan, and it's like for better or worse, it's like and it's very clear he's not probably not going to turn into Derozan. Like he's not going to get become that kind of a scorer. Mm-hmm. But but it's like well okay, so then what is he? And it's the same with OG. It's like okay, he's not going to become Kawhi Leonard. But he's going to have to probably be the starting small forward. And what does that mean? And what can he do for Toronto? That's yeah. and if you can keep an open mind about that, and sort of uh, you know acknowledge that he's not going to maybe get become an all star player, uh, then you know you're you, at least you're not picking fights in January. Yeah, but there always got to be one guy every year, and I think he's definitely <laughs> going to be that guy this year. Um, oh, no, Malcolm Miller. I don't think there's much to say really. Um, I like Malcolm Miller. He is. A, you like uh, Malcolm Miller. All right. He is a best case scenario. He continues making some. He, he's a really hilarious guy to me. I just think he's really funny, and uh, I think he's very self aware. And um, I like having him around uh, the Raptors. So best case scenario is he does what he does, and uh, worst case scenario is he gets cut, which is you know not impossible at this point of his career. Yeah, that's a good point. Chris Boucher. Oh, he's the next guy who's going to get gassed up too much. No, come on, man. We're not going to do this with Chris Boucher. Okay, so best case scenario is he becomes an actual NBA forward. Okay, like, hold on. If Thon Maker be, could be in the NBA, Chris Boucher could be in the NBA. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he can't be in the NBA. It's it's just that he hasn't been able to play outside of garbage time. Really, yeah, that's fair. So so it's like he, he definitely has the skills to be uh, in the NBA. The question is, will he ever be able to? Will he ever put Chris Boucher in a game when it doesn't feel like it's out of control one way or the other? Like, will he ever be like? I I doubt that. 
I doubt that. Well, I mean, maybe is, he like, takes a couple of leaps in this game. He did expand his ball handling and stuff, and yeah, I don't know. And, and like, I'm just saying, it's like, it's like when the Raptors said, I, I, I love him to death, but it's like when they had Lucas Nogueira. They only played yeah, yeah. Nogueira when it was like just like crap, you know, crap shoot. We've got, we got to try something. Let's figure it out. Let's see what happens. Yeah, Kyle Lowry uh, throw a couple and, lobs to him. Yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes it worked. Sometimes that crazy gamble worked. Boucher, it feels like it was always like, a lottery, like a lottery. Like, let's just see what happens for two minutes because uh, Gasol has the night off and uh, Serge is hurt. And well, we need someone in Eric Portland. Like, it was just and like Greg Monroe is just not yeah, it Greg at Monroe. all. Yeah. yeah, so you're just like, let's see what happens. So, best case scenario is he he becomes an actual like NBA forward where you could put him as the ninth man and play him five minutes and it's like not like a disaster. Yeah. Worst case, it's like he this is it. He's a quad. He's a quad A player who. He just kills it in the G League because no one's playing defense, and he can just run around and shoot every time he catch catch the ball, and then and that's it. And offense, and on the NBA, he just looks lost. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and he's just—I think it's just the size, man. He just can't like size-wise; it's just too hard for him. Like to yeah, play a, to play center as like oh, as skinny no, as he is. Bruno is no, more a, built than him, man. Oh no, yeah, no, he is. No, his 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 shoulders are not going to get any bigger. Like Bruno's yeah. massive compared to him. He's huge shoulder base. Yeah. No, I think Boucher is like 26. He's a power forward at best, and really he's and he, and that only is if you really take advantage of a matchup mm-hmm. issue. I, and I like think, you really go at a guy. I think he's like worthy of like a, an NBA roster spot, um, mm-hmm. maybe for a team mm-hmm. with not as much depth. Like I think he's earned that much. I, I just don't yeah. know necessarily what the future is for him beyond that but even that it, is is an incredible story and uh, I'm, I'm rooting for chris Boucher. he seems like a good dude he's an interesting character and i just feel like anyone who wins like a g league mvp and the mm-hmm. defensive player of the year it's like okay he's obviously not yeah. bad at basketball but exactly. it's 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 that mindset of like obviously his his how he plays in the g league with like insanely high usage then he comes to the nba and it's like your his role is to do to do nothing just defend and rebound and like catch a lob it's a big adjustment and it's like i don't know how those i don't know how the skill set of one translate to another one because it, he's not showing that like he's not showing that pascal leap where he played in the g league and then comes to the nba and figures out a way to be effective there right um o'shea Brissett, i think we know he's going to the 905 so that's yeah. where he's gonna be uh he did, he did, he did, did you see the highlight from uh was it this morning? He threw the ball off the backboard and then and then sort of sort of dunked it in to himself. Yeah, yo, this guy can jump. He can jump. Yeah, he's yeah. got good activity. Yeah. Um, he's a little young right now, so he's got to fill out a little bit. But you yeah. know, there's a future of like a future of Melvin Edgeman maybe kind of scenario for him. Sure. Um, Best uh, case, he's good on Team Canada. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good luck to him on Team Canada. He's going to yeah. make the final roster. Uh, yeah. Sagaba Kanate. I have butchered his name. <laughs> I still haven't uh, seen that guy play. He missed all of summer league. Yeah, I was very intrigued because he looked like extremely, extremely muscular, and there are some um, the vascularity uh, is is high. Um, and what what else with him? Uh, he has a lot of two handed blocks in in, in yeah. college. I'm not sure he'll be doing that in the NBA, but who knows? Uh, we'll see what is he's he, going to be. I think he's probably going also going to be in the. I was going to say, is he an NBA roster player? Is he a roster player? I don't think so. I think he's going to the G League. All right. Terrence Davis? Uh, You know what? uh, The Raptors uh, do need a third point guard, especially if you're going to start a little bit of Fred and Kyle. You need a third point guard, and please don't let that be a campaign. I'll be honest with you. I need you. I'm I'm very uh, very intrigued. Now, this is me getting gassed up a little too much. He played really well in the summer league, which I know doesn't mean a ton of a lot. 
I really liked, uh, I got to drop my, my guy Mac again. Jacob Mac wrote a piece about how he could be effective in the pick and roll in terms of, hit, because he's a, he's a pretty good shooter and he's mm-hmm. tall. Yep. He's taller than, and it's like, you start to look at him as a guy that could maybe fill that, that need the Raptors have for like an, an actual big guard mm, and be a little bit of light. a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exa- essentially. Yeah. And be like a shooter and, and a bit of a playmaker. Uh, and, and like, I don't know, I, I sort of, sorry, at the beginning of this podcast, I'd forgotten about him, hey, which man, I shouldn't happens. have done because, because, because definitely I'd rather have him as the third guard to campaign. I feel like I know what campaign is at this point. Whereas yeah, Davis, yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, Oh, what's this? Like, what's he going to do? What's what's he about? Plus, I get to make Terrence Davies jokes, which is a, he's an obscure uh, Irish director, and I enjoy yeah. making those jokes. Anyway, it's just for me. That's that. That was really a Reynolds tweet, but like on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask you for your TIFF recommendations at the end of this. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah. Look for my my column about it eventually. Uh, hopefully, I'll write one this year. I didn't I do it last I year. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I'm high on Terrence Davis. I don't want to put too much expectation on him just yet because he's undrafted and everything. But I think at the summer league level, he showed a lot of things, and he was not just like good, like good at the summer league level. He was like extremely mature and was doing mm-hmm. all the right things. And I think mm-hmm. if you could do all that and just bring that sort of maturity as a rookie, then that's yeah. already pretty big. I mean, expecting him to be a third point guard would be maybe a little high, but I don't know. I like a lot what he does, man. If he can shoot, yeah. if he can consistently shoot to that, I think that he's. He's he's gonna be really solid. I think the Raptors you, got a good one there. You um, you hit it right, you hit it right on the head there. It's like if it, like the shooting, I'm kind of like, well, it might it might go come and go. Maybe he had a hot streak in in July, mm-hmm. but the idea that maybe his decision making is sound and he plays with a sort of level head that could really I feel like that's the kind of thing where the Raptors go, okay, we can we can make you a better shooter, but you're already like a solid like decision maker. It's like okay, yeah. maybe there's something there, you know. Dewan uh, Hernandez, I don't think he's gonna factor into legitimate minutes just yet, but. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something there. He's got some skills. Uh, I mean, I saw the I saw the same summer league play you did. I, it looks mm-hmm. like six ten with some mobility, yeah. uh, decent and, hands. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You, it's sort of like what we said about Boucher. It's like some, or, or were we saying that about Boucher or or OG as well? It's like the, if he shows that he can do a couple of things reasonably well, then there'll always be a, a place somewhere in the NBA because he's he's six ten. You know, and he's and he's shown that he's got some mobility. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, we need to see more of Dewan yeah, yeah. to get a better assessment. But that's kind of where it is. Matt Thomas, um, put, putting aside all the uh, Alex, I mean, Alex has really made him into a meme before he made he even made a Rico Hines appearance there, with the Raptors. There was a Twitter. There was a Twitter moment that yes. came up that was like a twi- a Twitter tr- trend, and that was purely generated by Alex Wong by was Alex talking Wong. to Matt Thomas's mom. I saw that. I saw that. It's Wild. Amazing. It's, uh, I mean, as as everyone has pointed out, it's going to be defense is going to be the problem with him. Yes. But I mean, the guy is a is he, he is not a he's not a uh, a reputation shooter. He is a legitimate shooter. He's not a guy that they're talking about like. This is Jason Capono. You're telling me. Yeah, you know, you know, but you know what I mean. Like, I always found that about. I always, I know this is not necessarily true, but I always found that was hilarious about Steve Novak. Novak always looked like he was coming off the bench. Like straight out of like an IT business meeting. Yep. And, and then they talk and they would talk about him like he was the Highlander coming into this game ready to just shoot the lights up. I don't think I ever saw him hit a three in a game. Like I don't think I ever saw him hit a three. I'm not saying he oh, didn't. Oh man, you didn't watch Lin Sanity then. No, but the, but that's my <laughs> point. It's like it just felt like it just felt like he the, his reputation was enormous. Yeah. yeah. And it, and I'm not saying it wasn't unearned, but it's like 
Like like Capono went to the finals. Capono won a title, and he was and he was a useful. Wait, with who? With he the won? Heat. He was, he was oh, the that's heat. right. He was with the he Heat. On, so it's like he had. A, he just looks he like a, every guy in in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he fit in well there. But it's like I there are there are just these three point shooters. Where you're just like. I, I've never, I don't know, I don't get it. Like Kyle Korver mm-hmm. is not one of those guys. Kyle Korver is like a legitimate, yep. and, and Thomas, it definitely seems like he is the kind of guy that, like, if you if you run plays for him where he's getting the ball, you know, even on the, you know on the move or making things happen, he's gonna bomb away. And if and if they give him, if they if they sort of trust him to do that, I would I would I would best case scenario, I would give him a shot at the rotation. Wow. I would just give him a shot. You might need a shooter if you're going to run. If you're going to yeah. run, a, look, look at it this way: if you're going to run a team out there, let's say with like Fred, uh, Hollis Jefferson, Serge, and like uh, uh, Stanley Johnson, who's mm-hmm. playing the two guard? Like, who, who, first off, you have a ton of defense there. Exactly. And then, and second off, who's shooting the ball? Like Fred's going to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, Fred's shooting the ball. Shoot? You know that. But, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like the, you might as well try and come up with ways to get yeah. Thomas free. Mm-hmm. Like and, and what kills me is like they do this with Kyle Korver. Now Kyle Korver obviously is like six, whatever, eight. But it's like they do this with other players where it's like they clearly are running uh, entire systems to get guys open. And obviously, you know, Matt Thomas is Steph Curry. But it's like why can't you sort of figure out a way to to engineer that for a guy who apparently is a very good shooter, one hundred ten percent, as we've we've heard. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I would say very, very best case scenario, he's the third string shooting guard. Like immediately, I just think there's going to be a big transition in terms fair of physicality enough, in, in the in fair the leagues. Although the Euroleague is pretty physical too, and he, he actually yeah. did play pretty well through contact. But uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see what's there with Matt Thomas. Um, obviously, he can shoot. Yeah. We'll see what else he can do. Worst cases, worst cases, he's, he's just basically a guy you have yeah. in the Steve Novak. He comes in when you want to put one little more shooting threat out there, but you can't really trust him on defense, which is fair. That's yeah, for, it happens. That's for, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Now that we've gone through the entire roster, we will touch on the overall success of the team. But before that, let's talk about head coach Nick Nurse, who there's a best case, low case uh, worst case scenario for him. Obviously, the best case scenario is not going to be winning the championship like he did uh, last yeah. year. Yeah. But um, I think the best case scenario for Nick is that he's entering year two of a contract. If he does a good job this year as well, he yeah. could probably get an extension off this deal because coaches usually don't coach just on an expiring because it doesn't give yeah. you as much like credence and like leverage yeah. to sort of talk to your players. So yeah. if he does a great job, and even if he does a good job, I think the Raptors should extend you know uh, Nick Nurse at the end of the season. What do you think? I mean, that's definitely the best, best case scenario, uh, and I think he will. I think it will happen. I think I think uh, last season because of expectations and because of sort of everything they had to do with uh, with Kawhi. Uh, which he handled very well, I would say. Yeah, um, he did. Like he was, the, he was in a sense the perfect coach for that situation where he didn't know if he was going to have him in the lineup. You know, there were all kinds of injuries here and there, and they were sort of trying to keep their confidence and flexibility going forward. So it really worked out well. Now he's got a situation where he's got to figure out how to use these these sort of you know island of misfit toys combination, and he's got a bunch of guys who you don't even know yet what they're going to be able to do. I mean, that's what he's I great think, at, I, though. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I think. I think. They, in a sense, the Raptors have found a guy who excels at that, and has shown and and has shown that he can coach at the highest level. That's rare because I think a that lot of coaches rare. are good. I think a lot of coaches are good at being not a lot of coaches. Some coaches are very good at 
coaching at the highest level, like good at mm-hmm. playing with the coaching the best players in the league. Yeah, and, and then other coaches, coaches are, at, are Brad, Brad Stevens. <laughs> oh, but but even even like someone like Doc Rivers, he he started as a guy who figured out ways to get everyone to buy in and play hard, and like he maximized talent. Yeah. Then he got good at sort of ma- managing egos and managing like high level, high leverage situations. Uh, and now he's considered, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yo, I one, like one title in 20 something years, you got to be one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah. 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 Better than Nick but, Nurse. But, one, one of one. But, definitely. Yeah. Good but pick, you know, like, 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 like there are a lot of coaches that don't quite have the, the temperament, like, you know, like even, even some of the best, even some like Rick Carlisle or, or Popovich, like, not to say they can't coach young guys or sort of odds and ends teams, but they really do excel when they have sort of a clear sort of uh, uh, situation going forward in terms of how they're going to manage their team. Mm. And I think in this case, it's like, okay, you've got like obviously some veteran guys and, and a bunch of like odds and ends. What can you do? And I think Nurse will excel at that. And I think that will be, I think the best case scenario for him will be they'll, they'll overachieve again, which I think they're going to do. Uh, and uh, he'll get his extension. Worst case is. I have no idea what the worst no, case is. He has to. He has to go play with the Arkells again, which I mean, whatever. Oh man, <laughs> I really regret not the- having the guts to ask Nick Nurse if he uses Ultimate Guitar and if he browses directly to the top 100 tabs yet. But I'll have another chance <laughs> later, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the team as a whole. Best case scenario for the Toronto Raptors. Worst case scenario for the Toronto Raptors. Let's start worst and then end positively. How's that? Uh, worst case is that, that. Well, it's. I mean. It's always injuries, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. basically, they're relying a lot. They're relying a lot on two or three uh, like older guys. So worst case is obviously like they, those guys miss significant time, like Gasol and Lowry and Serge to an extent, uh, and then Siakam sort of flatlines in terms of his his skill growth, and they become just like a muddled, you know, forty win team. They just kind of like you know, like yeah, they get the seventh seed or something, and it's just like. Yeah, good luck, and then they get killed. They get buzzsawed by Philadelphia. They become the Detroit Pistons, you mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, Honestly, yeah. The worst case scenario for Nick Nurse is that he gets swapped by Dwayne, Dwayne Casey oh, for two no, years in a row. What a nightmare! That's the worst case scenario for everyone. Holy shit, we, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Best case scenario, or, or, or do you want to do your worst? Yeah, I mean, I think the worst case scenario is not only do some of these older guys sort of uh, fall off a little bit on production and get hurt and stuff, but the Raptors don't get anything for them. Yeah, like yeah. they're they're really good to first have this like 2015 Raptors, right? 2014, 15 Raptors. Yeah. Raptors were like number one in the league for a while, uh, or at least number one in the East. And yeah. um, you know, it went until end of December. Then Kyler gets hurt in that game against Portland, and all of a sudden, the rest yeah. of the season they're 500. But because they yeah. started out so strong, they're not in a good uh, draft position. They didn't really move any of the veterans because they still had a chance at the playoffs. And it was yeah. at a point where it was like, eh, you know what I mean? And you get you know just humiliated. Like way worse than losing to LeBron is losing to Paul Pierce. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of – I could see a possible trajectory that way, but um, I don't, also don't think that's entirely realistic. I think it's it's probably closer to – the best case scenario, which you know, for the Raptors, probably like fifty-two wins, fifty-two, yeah, fifty-three. They they had that over under of uh, forty-five and a half, and I thought that was like that was what ESPN, I think, their first projection, or or maybe it was yeah, the Vegas that was line just purely based but, off uh, RAPM. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. I you could you could question Kevin Pelton's stats, whatever. But I, I guess as a as a number, mm-hmm. I would definitely take the over because I do think that they are. 
they are better than that. It's just like just if you if you flesh out like what they did last year without Kawhi in the lineup. I mean, yes, Danny Green obviously is not there as well, but I just I just think the team is relatively similar, and they've got you know some useful pieces. And I can't see why they would not. I can't see a, a Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam team not winning forty five games. That just seems crazy to me. Yeah, same. Especially because you got solid vets there too. Like Mark is yeah. a winning player. Serge is a winning yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. All these young guys, like you know, a lot of them are established. Like I don't know, man. Like it's not like these, they brought in like a team full of campaigns. Like there are some guys oh. that can actually play here. So. You know, there's there's a a guys, were, there. guys were things to play for as well. I think players in contract yeah. years is always a good situation. There's a blueprint there where they they you know they have a couple of elite offensive moves. They have just enough shooting, and then they have a bunch of guys who really can go after it, mm-hmm. like the whole length of the floor. Yeah, which I mean, I think is going to help because they're going to be a they're going to be a solid defensive team, and they're going to play in transition, which is what Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam love to do. So. Like I, I don't see any problem with that over the the length of the regular season. Playoffs, I mean, yes, at best, at best, they are a second round team, and that's if they get a favor, if they get a, a you know a reasonable matchup in the first round. But hmm. yeah, if they end up playing like if they if they somehow slide down the rankings and play like one of the top teams in the East, they're not getting out of the first round. But they won the title, so I don't really care. Winning the title it changes a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in agreement with you there, man. All right, let's mm-hmm. let's talk Tiff before we before we go. Tiff is uh, what is is like about two weeks away. Uh, it starts on the fifth. Yep. Um, I haven't weeks. done my I haven't done my deep dive yet into what my yo my it is long, start. man. It is long. Yeah. It's the first time I'm actually like just like in anticipation for the festival. I'm like you didn't realize it was ten days. I, it, I mean, it's just so many movies, man. You know, like, you, you read know all the little is? descriptions; it's like impossible yeah. to go through the whole thing. Well, I, I will. I will give you a couple of pro tips. One is that everyone, the big, the first, like the Friday to Monday, are the big, or it's when everyone goes bananas. That's when King Street's closed, and like it's the big mm-hmm. sort of thing. Thursday is the opening night, but there's not a ton of movies. The second weekend is when all a lot of the industry people go. So basically, like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a lot of movies are playing. The audiences are shrunk. Mm-hmm. People have moved on. So okay. there's a lot of tickets available. Huh. The second thing I would say is go to the website tiffr.net or I mean it's .com. Just Google tiffr. Right, right. And and it's a really useful website for for looking through the films, creating like a short list, and then planning out your schedule. Right. It's actually really really useful. Way better than the tiffnet site itself, which usually sucks. It sucks. Yeah, I tried to buy a sucks. ticket earlier this year. No, you got to no, go through like no, this no. old website from 2004. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah they, don't do it. The, when you look at the TIFR website, you can you there's a little heart. You click the heart for your to, to sort of create your the list of films you want to see, and then you can sort of go through that and figure out like your short list and your your long list and everything else. It's a it's a really useful feature for sort of drilling down to like every year I have to get down to about ten films, mm-hmm. and so it's like I, it's really useful to sort of see like okay what movies are playing after a certain period of time, what you know, after 5 p.m., like that sort of thing. Anyway, uh, the, the movie I'm most excited to see is the new Safdie Brothers film, uh, Uncut Gems, with Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett. What? Kevin Garnett is in the movie. Kevin Yo, Garnett is what? in the movie. He's like, the, he's like fifth on the call sheet. I'm, 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 I'm making it sound like he's like the co-lead. He's, on, he's in the movie. I don't know what his role is. I don't wow. know what he's going to be doing. I don't know how long he's going to be in it. But it's a movie set in the like the you know I think it's a heist film. It's set in the New York jewelry scene. I don't know if, if anyone if people are listening to this, they saw the movie Good Time with Robert Pattinson a couple years ago. It's the same guys who made that movie, the Safdie Brothers. So 
I'm very excited about it. And I think uh, I just for Kevin Garnett alone, I got to see what's going to happen. Here. Wow. Okay. That took me by surprise. Yeah. That does sound pretty good. Right, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I think it will be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one I, I'm trying to see hustlers. Oh, I'm actually going to see that uh, next week. Pre, pre-screening. Oh, look at week. you. Oh yeah, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Let back me know how back, it goes then. Back to back on Friday. We're going to see the lighthouse and hustlers. I'm excited for both actually. Wow. Yeah. I'll let you know. All the reviews will be up on Brieftake.com. Okay. Oh, the late plug. That's pretty good, man. You got a couple <laughs> of Raps HQ plugs. You got that. Yeah. Ronald's a baby. Um, this is good talk. This is a good talk. I'm feeling both good and just, you know, excited. I'm, I'm excited to see real basketball again. Yeah. Let's, let's see what's going to happen. Watch they won the title. A lot of Rico Hines, man. A lot of Rico. And, like, I appreciate the hell out of him for training the Raptors and giving us yeah. content. But I, I need something else. Yeah. And real basketball again. I miss it. I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, all right. Well, you can follow Reynolds on Twitter at AKA Reynolds. Um, no, AKA underscore Reynolds. Oh, that's right. The underscore. That's right. Why did you get the underscore? Well, AKA Reynolds was taken. So that was it. That was the end of the, that was the, end of the story. Unfortunate. Um, well, I mean, you know, what else you want to plug? Well, that's it. Before Follow you me at AKA underscore Reynolds. Obviously, Raptors HQ. I'd love for everyone to check that site out. And uh, I mentioned my movie reviews, briefcake.com. That's the stuff. And we'll have uh, Point Man, the, the comic, oh, hopefully coming out. Point Man, the, uh, the comic feature starring Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley, uh, will hopefully come out uh, before the, end, the start of the season, but hopefully before the end of the year. Definitely check that out. Uh-huh. Reynolds, baby. Enjoy the cottage. Make sure yeah, you get thanks. some Big Macs or whatever. On the way home. <laughs> but not $3 right anymore. That's unfortunate. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. But uh, thanks for coming on. And listeners, we'll be back next week with a more substantive look at Canada basketball. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.